I'm all about gent. It's just a wonderful word for a weird piece of music. That's what I was trying to say. Absolutely. It's like an onomatopoeia in itself, which is... It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it really like came about when I was in college and my band was making gent music and then we were like, oh, there's a word for it. Sick. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. I know. You're just like, you're like, oh, well... I didn't, I'm not copying this. I just, I guess I'm part of the movement. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, so I just got turned on to the phrase sass core. So like scrams, like early scrams music. Oh yes. Like yeah. blood brothers and the number 12 looks like you, like a bunch of like those kinds of bands. And I had never heard that word until like about a month ago. I've and never heard that word. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So sass core is just like those, like. Um, to me, like it actually makes it feel like the word makes a lot of sense because I feel like a lot of those bands are kind of sassy in the way that they present their music because it's just chaotic, but it's yes. also like, <laughs> like those are like the vocal styles or whatever. So, yeah, I, I like grew up with Blood Brothers, like that was my jam. <laughs> Crimes is like one of my favorite albums, yeah, man, it's so good. <laughs> yep, it's a top 10 album for me. Welcome to the Edupunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman, bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator and daily disruptor in the world of DIY, uh, punk, music, education, all that jazz. Uh, this week's conversation is with Rachel Betron. They are uh, an employee over at Seattle University, uh, over in my home region of the Pacific Northwest. I'm actually very homesick, so it was nice to talk to someone who's in that area right now and just get to like chat a little bit about uh, what life is like on the West Coast. Just a little bit. But this episode contains a lot of fantastic topics that we have actually yet to touch on throughout this uh, this podcast so far. So it's nice to get to like break into some anti-imperialist stuff, some uh, queer and trans people of color issues, and really uh, dig into some stuff that has yet to just be covered. And so I'm really glad that Rachel was willing to spend some time and chat about those things with me. They're a fantastic human being. I've Get to meet in human form, but we've been connected online for a couple of years now, so it was nice to actually like sit down, have a good conversation, and chill out for a little bit. 
on a Saturday morning. Uh, really enjoyed that. Really had a lot of fun uh, with this conversation. I really hope you enjoy it too. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. At the top and throughout this episode, you're going to hear tunes from the new Max Seal album, which is called Super Enthusiast. It is out on 6131 Records. It came out at the beginning of November. You might remember that I had Francesca Impostato on the podcast last year um, when uh, the band was releasing an EP through 6131 Records. This is the band's first full-length album, and it's a fucking doozy. It is so good. Fantastic. Uh, tunes you're going to get to hear bits from three songs throughout this episode and i really hope that you dig it because it should make you want to go out and buy the thing from 6131 records or from the band who is finishing up a massive tour uh from all across the country they've been going non-stop and they'll definitely be going back out again soon so just keep your eyes out for more max seal content so uh also you gotta know by now if you've been listening to the podcast for a while I'm a part of the Connect EDU network. ConnectEDU.network is where you go find out uh, a bunch of information about our podcasts, our realm of educators that put out really great content, content week after week. You can go to that website and check it all out. Also, check out the nonprofit Art of Survival. Go to Art is Survival to learn more about how we help trauma survivors heal through storytelling and through art, as well as all of the work that we do uh, tabling and giving resources to bands, one of which is Max Seal. So we sponsor the band and they take our materials out on the road. And what's really great is uh, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from folks uh, from other bands that meet Max Seal or you meet future teens along the way, and then they reach out to us and want their resources, which is really sick. Really glad that we can do that for folks. That's all I got to say right now. Let's get to this conversation with Rachel Vetron. So I'm sitting with Rachel Vetron, uh, who is in my home region of the Pacific Northwest. Hey, what's up? <laughs> How are you doing today? I am doing great. I got my water bottle. I am getting ready for some adventures with my dog in the park today. Um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, just enjoying a nice day off, as I imagine you are as well. Um, trying my best to uh, focus on taking care of myself today. And every day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because I often forget to do so sometimes. So, yeah. So today I am definitely, um, yeah, focusing on those things. Just trying to, like, be chill. Because I might have a pretty hectic week. So. Yeah. I have a drive to Vermont this weekend, and that's going to be awesome. Oh, what for? I'm doing a talk at Northern Ver- Northern Vermont University. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about uh, self-care and taking care of, like, wellness and balance during college. Yeah, rad. I mean, how great to <laughs> be taking care of yourself in preparation for that kind of conversation. So I don't want to cool. be a hypocrite, you know? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I try my best not to be a hypocrite. Um, yeah. So can you tell folks a little bit about who you are, where you come from, where you are, who you are, where you are, what you, where you come from, all those good things? <laughs> Absolutely. 
So, as you said at the top, my name is Rachel Dotron. I use they, them pronouns, and I currently am the Arts Leadership Program Coordinator at Seattle University. I work and live in Seattle. Um, I'm in community with folks in Seattle, um, the queer trans POC communities, the DIY communities, um, the creative expression <laughs> folks um, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, I'm originally from Rochester, New York. That's where I grew up. And I um, made my way over here for graduate school. But before that, I was studying art and illustrations. So I've kind of made a journey over here and um, and keep chugging along, <laughs> um, both in the work that I do in higher ed, but also just the things I do outside of work, which is really exciting. Where did you do your undergrad? I studied um, at Rochester Institute of Technology. That's where I got my BFA in illustration. Cool. That's great. What what made you want to do illustration stuff? Yeah. Um, I, um, I feel like art and education has been an anchor for me since I was a kid. Like, you know, I was that kid who would always have a sketchbook and would doodle in class more than, um, uh, you know, being a active participant, but I also loved learning. Um, and so like, I loved, um, like comic books and animation and video games. And I was like, I want to do something where I am, you know, illustrating like impactful stories, um, and also like do the thing, you know, make the things that I love to do in my free time. So, um, that's why I got into art. Um, but that's kind of like since then transformed, um, at one point I was getting more interested in also doing, uh, graphic design for social change. Um, I got this uh, really cool book called Design for the Greater Good for my grandmother, like halfway through college, and I just became obsessed with it. So I was like, cool, I'm going to start doing graphic design now. Your um, grandma got you that? Yeah, my That's grandma's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's definitely a like um, a service-oriented person, so I think I get a lot of um, my, my roots in, like, you know, working with others uh, from her, but yeah, so that's, I went from illustration to graphic design. I did dabble a little bit in game design too, but video um, game design. Yeah. That's cool. That was my minor. <laughs> oh, wild. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and that actually ended up taking me into higher education because I, the, the first job I had in college was a uh, poster designer for the college activities board. Nice. And then, yeah, that's, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. That's pretty sick though. Like um, Katie and I got our starts in our campus activities boards um, and like concert planning on our campuses and stuff like that. So like, I can definitely relate, and um, I was really tight with our... I was never really great at making posters. I think I've only gotten good at them within the last two years, and that's as a professional. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> I, still wasn't, I wish I had been better at them in college, but um, I was always tight with... So it was always me planning the concerts, and then one of our designers that was always like putting it all together, so it was nice community... Uh, there around music and creative arts in college so like i feel like uh really uh really relatable to um your experience there yeah art being one of the things that ties us to education i think is like a really um 
It's like somewhat of a unique thing for some folks because some folks get so tied to their education just by their classwork. But I feel like those who get connected through like arts or something have like a whole other level of ownership over their college experience. Um, Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, did it make you own your college experience a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's twofold. One, um, I think there's a really hard, um, or difficult challenge with justifying the arts and neoliberal education. Um, just thinking about, um, just the narrative around, um, career oriented education and, um, trying to like, like prove that arts have a place in academic spaces and, um, not just from like a point of like this elitist, like, Oh, you just have to get it to, um, be able to access it. But more importantly, like art can really be an important narrative, as you said, for, um, naming experiences, for relating to other people, to, um, resistance, uh, work, um, Mm -hmm. within academia too, Um, And then secondly, I think it's also a really powerful tool for actually like engaging and reflecting in what you're learning about. Um, I love, yeah, I love arts-based learning and arts-based research. I think it's like a really cool approach and can be used to like measure um, one's like learning, but also just like a great way to reflect on like how or what someone has learned from an experience. And so I'm like a huge proponent of that. I think it's super important and um, really beneficial also for folks who need um, multiple ways of communicating and multiple ways of learning. For sure. I completely agree with that. And I feel like the point you made about kind of constantly having to prove art's place in certain education realms is like it's so frustrating because from the folks that I've like been so close with over the years like I couldn't imagine my college experience having happened the way it did if it wasn't for arts and if it wasn't for being able to take those options or even um have a program board or um student organization setups that were willing to allow us to use money toward those things and like bring big bands onto campus and do things like that because like for so many offices it is like having to justify your own existence and I feel like that is so basically unnecessary but um during current uh currently in our um setups it's kind of like it's like a necessary aspect which is so friggin frustrating yeah absolutely i i find that there's like this really weird dichotomy like or this tension between the even within like student specifically student affairs spaces that emphasize arts-based activities whether that's a concert or a show or um a um use of a poster like there's different ways that those tools um can still be um you can still use the language of academia to like reinforce its importance and value but it's also important to like reinforce the cultural and and community-based values that aren't necessarily like quantitatively measurable um so yeah definitely and and yeah music being a huge part of my experience um and visual arts is a huge part of my experience in college it's really i am very 
uh, I feel very um, justified in my argument, but I also appreciate that there are other folks that feel that way too. Yeah. And it's, it's always kind of hard because I'm at an institution right now that doesn't have a whole lot of um, like the students aren't very rah, rah, rah. They aren't very, it's a very much a commuter campus. A lot of the students are, they go to school they go home, they go to work, whatever. They don't really spend a lot of time trying to like get super involved. So it's like hard for me for as someone who was like super involved in my undergrad to just be like, but there are so many great opportunities you can do and have when you do these things on campus. But I totally get it. Um, it is like a completely different experience. So it is one of those things that I kind of have to um, even reframe myself to not make their experience what my experience was and let other students have their experience. And I think that that has, that has a lot to do with just kind of like maturing as a professional too, because I, I want to transition into talking about grad school because so many people go into grad school and higher ed as it being like an extension of college extension of that experience. And I'm curious as to what your grad experience was. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I, I also will probably talk about this later too, but I, I think reframing and meeting people where they're at is also important in DIY music. Mm. <laughs> uh, but for myself, uh, in going to graduate school, so I, I went to Seattle University for graduate school and got my MUD in student development. And I think I had a pretty limited framework for understanding student experience. Um, I think that had to do with the fact that I grew up in a relatively isolated um, hometown, um, even though I have multiracial experiences, I still had like a pretty like uh, white centric learning and education experience. Um, and so a lot of my like work in graduate school initially was like, I just want to recreate what my experience was <laughs> as a student leader, right? Like I loved being in college activity, bo- college activities board. I loved being in orientation I loved doing student conduct and all these different things um, and not having a critical lens around how it, you know, creates access for folks, but also is gatekeeping for many other people. So um, a lot of my graduate experience going in was like a very transactional, like I want to recreate what I want. Um, But in going to that program and um, developing like a hopefully um, stronger sense of what social justice and, um, like equity and inclusion mean, um, I feel like I started to reframe my graduate school experience a little bit differently. Um, yeah, uh, and some of it was honestly just starting from uh, being in a different part of higher education. Yeah. I uh, started working um, first in housing and residence life, and then in my second year, I actually became the um, the representative or the grad assistant for the commuter student life space. And so that was really cool to see um, and have experiences with students who had the capacity and privilege of living on campus, but also students who a huge component of their experience was commuting to campus. And so when you talk about um, being on a predominantly commuter campus um, currently, um, you know, that resonates with me too, because I had to really reframe just within that one year period of being in technically the same job, um, the ways that I was working with commuting students. Um, And I think that was really powerful. Also knowing that there's a lot of other identities that show up, especially in um, populations of students, at least in Seattle, just given the 
the growing gentrification and the ways that folks have been displaced, I think it's important to name that like a lot of um, students who are commuting are commuting from like the far reaches of the city and beyond um, and have like very long trips, but they also have like really deep um, personal connections to their community. So that's been really cool to um, grow from that. But yeah, graduate school, I think pushed and challenged me in a lot of, lot of different ways. Yeah. How was the, how was the transition or even the decision to go all the way across the country for you? Because we went in opposite directions. Uh, (laughs) And I'm curious what that decision was like for you. Yeah. Um, I think the decision was easier than the actual transition. Um, I, cause I went to school 30 minutes away from where I grew up for undergrad and I knew that I would benefit from maybe getting a different experience. I was also, to be totally honest, very tired of the snow in New York. Mm, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I was doing that search, I think Seattle University and Seattle just in general, I think really stuck out for me, not just the institution itself, but quite honestly, the music scene in Seattle was really Interesting, it caught my eye. I think a lot of the bands I grew up listening to that were influential for me, um, like Pearl Jam and the Blood Brothers and the Paul of Troy and Soundgarden, you know, they all come from mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest. So I was like, why not go somewhere that I think has developed me from afar and see how it changes me personally when I'm there. Um, so, yeah, so that decision wasn't too hard, but definitely the transition um, not being able to see family as often is really hard. Um, I did have like a, a really cool chosen found family while in graduate school. Um, but certainly I mean, it hasn't been so difficult that I haven't chosen to leave cause I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel a similar, I feel a similar like kind of kinship to that because, um, I, when I, when I came across the country, I had kind of made up my mind that everyone was kind of settling to live in Portland. <clears throat> like a lot of my friends, a lot of my like people that I was close with were like, yeah, we're going to go live in Portland and it's going to be great. And I was like, I think I'm meant for more than Portland. And so <clears throat> I really wanted to like try something else. And I was also getting sober around that time. Mm-hmm. And so taking myself out of a space that had those experiences and trying to start something new in a new space where I could actually like just start over and be myself in recovery here was a much better decision for me. Um, and the transition was actually one of those things where I would stay up super late trying to like stay in contact with some of my friends back home. But then like after a certain point, like you can only do that for so long when your sleep catches up to you and your other needs catch up to you. And then I was like, you know what? I'm out here to do my own thing. I'm going to actually like take control of my experience and go to bed when I want to go to bed. I'm not going to concern myself with a bunch of friends back home. I'll stay in touch with who wants to stay in touch with me. But for now it's building my community out here. So it was like a big like it took me a little while to like get to that realization, but once you find that found family, oh, it's so great. Now I'm like six years in and yes. feel like I will never leave this part of the country. <laughs> yeah, that what you said too about finding yourself and or, or you know finding space to just be yourself. I think is really important. Like for me, being across the country also gave me more space to 
explore my my queerness and my identity like I was not out in <laughs> New York um and giving that having that space to grow is like really really important um and I've really appreciated that um also kind of ironic because I don't think Seattle is really deemed as a very um diverse space but I also have honestly made like a really great um connection and relationship here with other people who identify as people of color um probably because there's so few of us so we all band together um (laughs) but um yeah so like as I said earlier like having a QGPOC community here has been really really powerful yeah that's so fantastic I'm glad that you have that um now as a professional in the field um, what is, what does that look like for you? Uh, can you explain a little bit about your role and like what it looks like on your campus? Yeah. So my current role actually is in academic affairs. So it is a more, um, academic staff oriented position. Um, I, you know, I work with faculty very closely. Um, and I chose this role intentionally because, um, as it's in the department of arts leadership or performing arts and arts leadership, um, I knew I would have a lot of opportunities to really build relationships with those students, um, undergrad and graduate students, um, through the lens of arts-based learning, um, certainly, but also, um, the faculty that are there are really, um, they really emphasize decolonized methods of learning and research and um, have a very strong social justice lens. So that has been really um, influential for me in doing this work before I was doing um, housing and residence life. And um, I actually worked also a little bit for the city of Tacoma. I'm doing arts event planning there. So this is like my re-entry into higher education. I find that my, my professional line is never like, solely within the institution of higher education. I think that's, um, um, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about that, but um, yeah, my current role is very like administratively oriented, um, but I also, because I have a background in student development, I've been able to integrate more, um, you know, like student development theory and like really basic but necessary um structures to approaching like how we support students like looking at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and emphasizing that when we're making decisions around you know program policies and scholarships that we are really emphasizing that there is a need for equity work um in academic spaces as much as the student development spaces that exist on campus Hmm. that's really great to hear and I'm glad that like you kind of emphasize the fact that like your experience as a professional is not just tied to your institution. Like it's good to have that, that balance. Cause I'm sure it also is like a great way of like keeping you sane and also satiating like all the other needs you may have outside of your, your space. Yeah. And that was really hard in residence life at first because I didn't know how to create those boundaries or I like, I feel like anyone yeah. in, in res life has that yeah, well, and you know, that's true in other spaces, but I, it was my first time working professionally in res life, so I'm like, um, I want to go to the show, but I also have to get up early in the morning for a meeting, and then I also have student meetings in the evening, and so, you know, just like, okay, when when does when does this work show up? And I ended up integrating my creative, like, interests into my work, because I worked with a learning community that was, like, creative, creativity-themed, 
Um, but yeah, it took a while, and I'm very thankful that in this current role that I have, I am um, pretty self-sufficient. Like I get to make my schedule in, in a lot of ways, so that has been really nice because I, then I can make meetings for um, you know volunteer work that I love and appreciate doing outside of work. Um, and I can have band practice on Wednesday nights because I don't have a student staff meeting. Um, and I can also have instruments in my house because I'm not sharing, you know, space with 300 students. So lots of <laughs> lots of pieces that go into that. But, um, you know, so I want to acknowledge that a lot of folks find creative ways to um, bring themselves into their work and also do things outside of work. So it's always a, it's a struggle. It's always a struggle. Um, and I'm not going to get too much into my end of that because I think I've explored it enough on this podcast. But <laughs> being able to have those outlets for um, creativity outside of work is so important. Like even just this podcast, even though like I've been on a big old season break, like being able to do this, being able to like sit and chat with other professionals in the field and um, feel like it's just like it while it's tangentially related to to like the field and the work it's still like a creative thing that i get to like work a different part of my brain and make other connections so really dig that you've finally heard all of the song mystery inc by max seal stick around for the end of this next segment for an entire full music break the usual music break with an entire song from max seal uh, now let's get back to the conversation with rachel betron so tell me a little bit about your work in the diy uh sections of seattle and those communities what does that look like for you yeah um well i moved here just over five years ago and when I first came in I quite honestly didn't know how to engage because you know being new to the community so I was going to a lot of shows and being an attendee um and trying to like make connections there but I also found as like a something that is just culturally different about shows here from where I grew up in New York it's a little harder to like just talk to strangers. Um, and mm. as someone who also like has social anxiety, it's like extra hard, but, um, that was really interesting. Um, and I do think, uh, that has, um, challenged me in a couple ways, but I, you know, I realized that between 
living in Seattle and also living in Tacoma, I needed to find some way to build community with people in in music. And so I looked at some all-ages venues that had volunteering opportunities. And um, the first one I actually volunteered at was in uh, Tacoma called Real Art Tacoma. Um, And I just kind of showed up and I was like, do you need someone to work door? And they're like, yeah, we need a lot of people to work door. So (laughs) Um, and that, you know, transformed into being more involved in like weekend meetings, talking about supplies and programming, um, you know, helping to actually put on a program. We did like a, like Galentine's day act, like fundraiser for a local, um, domestic violence, um, support, um, group. And that was really exciting. I was like, Oh, cool. I like doing benefit shows. I also really like being in spaces with music goers and music performers and um so that you know was really important to me and so when I moved back to Seattle from my that was when I was working in Res Life but now that I'm in Seattle um I knew of um the Vera Project which is another all-ages venue that's been here for almost 20 years now um and they have like a very formal process for volunteering like they actually have like a training and um, like a sign-up board, um, so it's a little bit more like institutionally structured. But they also have a lot more like fundraising capacity for like bigger programs. So um, I became a member of the fundraising and community engagement committee, which is um, it used to be more like an advisory committee, but now it's an, a programming committee that focuses on civic engagement, um, direct action, and democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm so showing up and running doors <laughs> at a lot of the shows, but I'm also meeting twice a month to, um, you know, set up events that are specifically targeted around voter engagement and um, doing, uh, I actually got to facilitate a panel with a bunch of local um, organizations that represent um, undocumented immigrants um, who, you know, are experiencing deportation or discrimination through the different um, policing systems in the Pacific Northwest um, and talking about, you know, how they as political activists um, and support um, services, like staff, like they talk about like how they, you know, do self-care and um, how they manage their own experiences in and outside of institutions to like come to hopefully the same result, which is, you know, um, protection of people who are um, deported um, and discriminated at a national and local level. So that was really cool. Um, And I continue to be involved in that um, group. Um, I'm also a camp counselor with Rain City Rock Camp, um, which is such a great program. Yeah, that Uh, sounds cool. Yeah, um, and so, camp. yes, rock camp. I actually did the adult camp, too, which is really cool, um, which is why I'm playing guitar now. But, um, yes, and that's, you know, it's all ages focused, so it, the program is for youth, um, specifically, like, um, gender nonconforming youth and youth who identify as girls and, like, giving them space to learn an instrument safely and um, with, like, workshops on self-esteem and relationships and boundaries and all these cool things. So, Uh, Yeah, like, and a lot of those people in those spaces overlap with the folks um, in other DIY spaces. So that's been um, a really positive experience for me. Um, Yeah. And 
I mean, anytime there's like something, <clears throat> excuse me, something DIY related, whether that's a zine fest or a benefit show, like I'm, I will try to be there and support either as an attendee or as a volunteer. That's great. Like it, you've, you've, you've filled like your life with so many things that can fill your cups. You know what I mean? Um, and because I feel like my partner loves to use the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, or from an empty glass. And so you got to find ways to fill your glasses. You got to find ways to like, um, revitalize yourself. Um, cause I feel like when we get so bogged into the work that it can feel like so much. And if we don't have these other spaces to kind of like fulfill our, um, our interests or just our, um, our, our needs really, it can fully like it can be fully fulfilling and that's that's something that i think that i i really envy about the 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 spaces that you're you're able to like find yourself in that's really fantastic especially like being a transplant uh because i can find it to be so hard to do that when you because i feel like i only got comfortable in this space in my communities here within the last three years so i feel like for the first three years i kind of was flying by the seat of my pants trying to figure out where things are in Boston. And now we're in, in close connection with the emo punk scene, the, which like emo is really big in Boston right now. Big thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, in new England in general, it's like, like kind of a, a huge deal. Um, no wonder the sold out world is gig was such a claustrophobic experience last night. But, um, um, then we got really tight with the comedy scene here and with the recovery scene here. So it's great because like all of those spaces can like bring such a fulfillment outside of just like being bogged into the work so much. So I I really dig that, that work that you're doing. Um, when it comes to your, um, uh, QTPOC communities, um, what does that work look like for you? Cause I remember us talking a little bit about, um, decolonization and, um, trying to like, um, what's the word, um, organize and, um, get folks out to, like toward voting and just more involved politically. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, it's, there's so many, um, little things that I think have built up into the, like this part of my life being a little bit more like salient for me. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, like I, when I moved here, I feel like I was really starting from square one and just in terms of self-awareness, but also like structural awareness of how people are impacted, um, by just marginalization and institutional like racism and, all of these different like painful things. And so I think it's taken me a long time to like come to knowing that. But then I also recognize that because I am from a place of learning, like we all are um, that, you know, I really wanted to be a listener before and an action oriented person. And so much like, (laughs) like entering the DIY scene, I was doing a lot of receiving and taking in information, um, at first and now I'm like I'm 
I'm finally at a point of being more action oriented, which I'm really excited about. Um, and have wanted to do that for a while, but I think I'm also, you know, like finding more time and space outside of having my nose to the grindstone at work, um, Mm -hmm. to do that work. Um, and I'm also very lucky that a lot of the folks that I'm working closely with in higher education also are a part of that community are doing that work outside. So I think that's been a good, um, connection for me. And now I'm trying to be more intentional about seeking, um, direct action work outside of just higher education. So, um, more recently, um, like I kind of mentioned this a little bit. So like facilitating that panel at Vera with talking about direct action, um, against the deportations of, um, immigrants and the Northwest detention centers, um, in Tacoma. And so I've been going to a lot of the demonstrations there and, trying to become an active fundraiser for um, the resistance movements that are part of that. Um, I also um, co-organized with a friend um, a fundraiser for some of the anti-imperialist organizations out here. Um, so um, my family is Filipino um, and come and immigrated directly from the Philippines. And so the um, imperialist actions that are happening at the hands of like the president in the Philippines is like pretty salient to me. Um, and so I was like, okay, so let's bring in Filipino musicians Mm -hmm. and, um, or Filipino musicians. And like, let's also bring in the organizations that are doing that work. And like, my job was really just to like facilitate space for people to come together and minimize barriers for them to come together, um, and fundraise. So, um, yeah, that was really cool. We raised like 750 bucks. Um, nice. for organizations to like continue to like they're doing like traveling work um, with other anti-imperialist groups um, and yeah so like that's I think just like all of that work has really come together in just like the last year and a half for me mm-hmm. too um, and now that I'm more in this position of like okay I have these resources and I have a better understanding of the communities that I'm in and working with and I have better relationships too to people I think that's like the most important part is like the relationships part um I'm now like more action oriented which is really exciting um yeah and like voter engagement that will that work will continue for me also through well beyond the upcoming year yeah exactly um so you know and again like with all of this work like reintegrating I think the arts has been very salient for me because that is a resource that I have, right? Like I'm in the DIY scene. So why not reach out to DIY Philippinex artists to perform at the benefit show? Or why not do a pop-up busking event in the middle of Capitol Hill, Seattle to get people to register to vote or remind them the election happened um, on November 5th. So yeah, lots of little things here and there um, that I'm hoping will just grow to be more of a consistent um, thread of things that I'm doing outside of work. Um, but it still doesn't feel like work in the same way, which is important. Um, and because it'll always be work, right? Like doing (laughs) just as work is like, it's always going to feel laborious. So in any way that you can make it feel like, like a healing and community centric space, I think is really important. And so that's something that I'm trying to emphasize, um, for everyone who gets to participate, like you can also make this a healing space and a space for reflection and celebration of your communities as well. 
Well, and I think you saying that the work is like it's always going to be work, especially in like social justice circles and social justice realms. It's always going to be work because someone needs to do it. And I know that, um, especially within higher ed, we might not we might really enjoy our jobs. We might get a lot of joy from our jobs. We might like, like I love the students that I work with and work for. Um, and at the same time, it's not everything like, and it can't fulfill everything. So those little things that you're adding to your life, like those are the things that are like truly like you have your passion behind. Like you, I hate that word so much, but it like truly, like we put our passions behind the things that we truly want to like carry these flags for these, these like, um, like anti-imperialist flags and, uh, anti, um, uh, anti, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking on the friggin' word right now. Anti-fascist? Anti-fascist. Oh my gosh. Anti-fascist <laughs> bullshit. Like, I, being Filipino, you're probably aware of what Duterte does and the type of person he is and how much, like, it's mirroring what's happening in America right now. So I feel like that uh, that's possibly like a reason why you're taking this up so seriously. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Your eyes got wide. <laughs> yeah. It's close to home. And, and even if it doesn't, I recognize it's still important work to be done. So yeah. yeah. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, what have you, what's something that you've learned? Um, that's a, like a really good takeaway from a lot of this work. Oh, wow. Um, I, so I mentioned at the top, I, of like getting into Seattle, social anxiety, really hard. Um, and I think that it's really important to like have space for self-evaluation that is, um, and being open to, I don't want to say the word critique because it implies that the person who's criticizing you is coming from a, a bad place mm-hmm. because more often than not, when you're being critiqued in justice work, it's because folks want you to do better. Um, and so I think a big takeaway for me is like in the work that I've done when I've had to acknowledge mistakes or um, make corrections to make things more accessible or just like think about like how to be like a better um like coalition partner or co-conspirator. I love that word. Mm -hmm. Uh, That it's like really important to like embrace imperfection and embrace space for change because like parallels to the art world, that's how the, how you grow is like you taking in that feedback and like receiving it as earnestly and sincerely as you can without also letting it like bog you down. So like, that's, I think I say that because I need to hear that for myself, (laughs) but I also hope for other folks too, like, like that the fear of messing up can't like messing up and owning those mistakes is way more important than not doing anything like, and that's like really hard to accept and do. So I think that has been a learning point for me in doing this kind of work because I will always come from the lens that I know and there are so many other ways to do it. So yeah, just having appreciation and gratitude for that kind of feedback is really important. That's actually something that like just hit me really hard. What you just shared right there, like being at least doing the work, at least doing the work is important because if you do mess up, you can still like grow and learn 
and it's better than not doing it. And I love that because, sorry if you're just reiterating that because I'm just like working through it again. Um, that is super important to me because there's been a lot of times where I'm like, I get really ahead of myself and I want to like, it's just the ENFP in me. I'm just so, I'm an ENFP too. Yeah, it's just 100% the ENFP in me that's just like, I want to do this. I want to help out. I want to do, I'm also a massive, massive Sagittarius. So I'm just like always wanting to do all of the, are you Sagittarius too? I'm Sagittarius moon. Okay, that's fair. Big energy. Yeah. So I'm uh, sun and rising Sagittarius. <laughs> so I'm an intense person. Um, but um, the, the, the ideas tend to come after the intention, which is like sometimes not the right direction sometimes. So I, I like like in college, the first time I was ever called out for like my white privilege was like one of the biggest things because it was in the middle of doing like a big like not necessarily a protest, but like a demonstration day. And someone, uh, the first person to really call me out on my privilege was a black trans woman. And she was like, you're fucking up here. You're fucking up here. This is where you can do better. And I was like, okay. Uh, at least like, I, they, she at least acknowledged that I was doing the work, but that I still needed to actually like take, uh, some good steps to actually understand my space in society. And I was like, all right. And that was honestly the first time where I felt like, oh my gosh, I still have so much to learn. I might have been like as well-intentioned as possible, but I need to actually take like an account and learn from what this person just told me. Because if I don't, like the work that I want to do, the intentions I have, like are going to be meaningless if I don't actually listen. Yes, absolutely. And like, it's so, I, I appreciate that you said that the idea sometime comes before the intention because yes that that does resonate for me um and I think that's true even in like creative ways I'm like yeah like I love how this sounds but then what does it actually mean to have this like like tonal music sound or like what does it mean to use this type of imagery and it's like important to like stop and like reassess that like and sometimes getting like external input is the best way to do it and you know, if you, if someone gives that to you for free, like, that's really great. And I show, I try to give as much gratitude as like, thank you for like putting in the labor and time to like yeah. call me in. <laughs> and like, I, didn't the language, I didn't have the language for that back then, but that's definitely how I am now. Like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, same. I mean, yeah, even with like the, like the fundraiser we did for anti-imperialist groups, like I was being asked like, Hey, like you know, X, Y, and Z thing around accessibility for the event. I'm like, oh my goodness, yes. Like, that is something that was not on the forefront of my mind and definitely should have been. So thank you, and we'll correct that right now. And that was that was the process. So like, all right, rec- let's reconcile the error and in the best way that we can and show appreciation. And I also think appreciation is, like, a really great tool, like, you know, think about, like, positive mindset and um, – or, like um, – mindfulness and I'm like yeah like gratitude is a great way for me to just like practice like self-care in the moment because I might be like oh no I really fucked up and then I'm also like oh but someone took the time to tell me (laughs) and I I'm so good I'm so grateful so yeah uh, it's always always a struggle but always like worth it in the end to just try whenever you can if you have the capacity 
All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. I'm going to bring you an entire song from the band Max Seal off the new album, Super Enthusiast. The song is called Lucky for Some. It is my personal favorite song on the album. It is the first track on the album, so you get to hear a little bit about how that album begins. And then from there, it is just a whole lot of good jams from beginning to end. I tell you what, I don't mind telling you, it is one of my favorite albums of the year so far. Uh, it, It came out on 613. Records at the beginning of November. So go to 6131records.com to get yourself a copy of the album or check out Maxiel on Bandcamp or anywhere that you stream music. It's very good stuff. They are very good friends of ours. The nonprofit sponsors them and they do a lot of great work on the road uh, and have been going nonstop this year. So I'm really glad to support them and we're really glad that they support us. So here's Lucky for Some by Maxiel. was lucky for some by max seal go to 6131records.com get yourself a vinyl copy get yourself a cassette get yourself whatever you want download it stream it whatever you can just support the band they do great work they are great friends of ours and you got to support them because i said so that's it that's all i mean that's how the world works sometimes craig uh puts down word and folks just you know like listen it's good it's good stuff it's good music if you didn't like it i'm sorry maybe we'll try again next week but i i really really support this band and i think that you should too Uh, i think i've hammered that home enough now let's get back to and finish this conversation with Rachel Betron. It's the thing that I call the lightning round. I want to just talk about you and some of the things you like in the world. Like, what is your favorite color? Teal. Teal? That's cool. Your hair's blue, right? Yeah, Okay. It I, is. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was teal or not. Um, it was pretty close. Um, cool. What's your favorite type of food? Oh, um... Filipino hometown food, pancit bihon. 
like a rice noodle with veggies. It's very good. Mm, that sounds tasty. I've been wanting to go to a proper ramen shop here. Uh, I, I went to one in D.C., uh, the most recent one I went to. It was big old bowls of ramen. Hell yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want some, like, noodles. Um, what about, what, what's your favorite place you've, like, ever visited or been Ooh, um, that is tougher. Um, I would say, ooh, um, why is this such a hard question? I, I think it's hard to, like, name, like, a specific place, but I think one place that was, um, really positive and impactful for me was, um, there's, a little venue in Baltimore called the Auto Bar. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Auto, Auto Bar? Auto Bar is sick. I lived in Baltimore for a summer. Wait, me too. Oh, great. Wow. What, which summer? Uh, it was 2015. Oh, I lived there in 2014. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, I was there interning through NOTA. Nice. Uh, I was in through, interning through NACA. Nice. Which Very university? Cool. I was at uh, Maryland Institute College of Art. Okay, I was about to say, if you went to Towson too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be so wild. Um, yeah, but Autobar was really cool. I saw a lot of, um, I think that summer in general was like really powerful for me because I was like completely away from anyone and everyone um, that I knew. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was going to shows there and I saw a lot of really great bands. Like I saw Jeff Rosenstock and... Um, jail, um, spelled J A I L L, and um, oh my goodness, so many bands um, in Baltimore. And I also like, I think was, it was just like a really big learning space for me because I was there, like really just soaking in the music scene there, and um, and also just like getting more like acclimated to a lot of things. It was the first summer I didn't have a car and so like that was also like really cool like I engaged with the city way differently than I think I would have if I was um, driving a vehicle so um yeah long long-winded explanation <laughs> for no, Baltimore. I dig that because I mean I love Baltimore that's where Katie and I met so like I have a big affinity for it um cool. we just went back there over the summer and because it's where we met five years ago and so we we like re- replicated a picture we took on that first trip together. So it was really nice. That's so cute. I'll always have an affinity for Baltimore. Um, what's your favorite movie? Um, but most recent, I think my favorite movie changes, but most recently I really love, um, the movie midnight. Okay. Um, it's very good. I'm blinking on the name of the director and that's killing me because it's incredible. Um, I know I have to look this up if that's, that's okay. Right. <laughs> okay, I can't find it. That's well. Um, oh, you know why? Because I am not think it's not called. <laughs> okay, can I start over? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what I meant to say. So, okay, my favorite movie right now because it changes all the time um right now is moonlight by barry jenkins okay um it's broken into three parts um it's the like 
main character um, is played by Trevante Rhodes um, and has Mahershala Ali in it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, this beautiful composition and the colors and the cinematography. I'm, like, obsessed with, like, cinematography, but I also love, um, like, a good love story. And it's hella queer and it's hella black. And so it's, like, all those things together are just, like, really awesome. Highly recommend it. Great. I still haven't seen it. I know that it did. It won the Academy Award, so... But I still didn't get to won the Academy Award in that really weird way when they accidentally said it was for La La Land and then yeah, yeah. it was really taking away the uh, the uh, the prestige of that last moment. Very dumb. But mm-hmm. that's what happens when you give old people the envelopes. Yeah. Wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you're binging right now on streaming stuff? Um, I, ooh, um, I've been listening to a podcast called Dissect. Okay. Um, and they, the most recent season dissected, um, Damn by Kendrick Lamar. So it's like a music analysis. I'm also listening to this podcast called, um, Bad Brown Aunties. Bad Brown Aunties. Yes. It's, um to um, South um, South Asian women who basically interview folks. They interview, like, Alec Maidvanon and um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o and, like, ask questions about, like, auntiedom, like, and not just, like, the literal sense, but, like, figures in your life that yeah. represent brown aunties. And so that's really powerful for me because I, I always say that I want to be, like, a cool auntie when I'm older. So why not be a bad brown auntie? Yeah, I'm. I just looked up the dissect podcast. Looking. Oh, whoa! They went through Tyler the Creator's Flower Flower Boy. Yes, I just. Uh, oh yeah. man, a lot of really great records. So yeah, I um I just finished the Flower Boy Tyler the Creator. And the first. Um, oh my god! Okay. You sold me. <laughs> that looks sick. I'm going to go through that. Because um, my one of my buddies like has a similar idea for a podcast, but it's going through butt rock and new metal. Yes. Oh, I would so listen to that. <laughs> and I really want to do it. I would start with uh, Stain's Break the Cycle album, and then I would oh go directly God. into Disturb's Believe album, and then I would yes. go to Taproot's Welcome. Uh, I would, I would, to- oh man, I should, I'm, I'm talking myself into this. <laughs> Please do it. I would love to listen to that, especially if there's any Slipknot. <laughs> oh, like- and I have a buddy who would totally come in and do the Slipknot stuff with me. I'm not yes. a big Slipknot person, but I would totally bring him in to do it. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, dang, now I have to do this. Um, what, uh, so I like to end on this one. What is some music you're listening to now and what's some of your like all time stuff? Ooh. Um, right now what's playing on loop for me is, um, <sighs> I'm actually going to pull up my Spotify here. So, um, there's a new record by this Portland band. You might know alien boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, they just released like a single, um, called, uh, oh goodness, what is it called? It's called South Vibes. Um, but they have a record that came out last year called Sleeping Lessons that I'm like obsessed with. Um, so it's like, you know, classic emo, 
Um, I'm listening to a lot of Blood Orange. I'm listening mm. to a lot of um, Tyler the Creator. Um, Igor is so good. Yes. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, what else is on my like go to right now? Oh, Jason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Anako is such a good record. I've been putting that on repeat. Um, yeah. So like it, that's like kind of like the most current things that I'm listening to. Um, and yeah, just like in general, like I love, I love emo. I love soul and R and B. Um, I also love getting some metal in there every once in a while. Um, yeah. So, um, like punk, just kind of everything, but definitely right now I feel like I'm just like in a upswing. Like I want some like good beats, um, and like, dreamy guitar so that's why i'm like okay cool let's listen to some flower boy and some anako and and call it a day <laughs> hell yeah yeah i've been in a i've been strangely in like a kick of like pop stuff lately so like i've actually been listening to a lot of halsey yeah um, and i mean my girl kylie ray uh yes. and we we saw lizzo this year so like i've just been in like this realm of like i want good upbeat posy um like women Telling me what's up. That's I got to awesome. do a little bit of Melanie Martinez. Yeah. So awesome. just just some good chill stuff. But yeah, hell yeah. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me again. Of course. Thanks so much, Craig. I'm so glad that we got to connect and, and chat all things music and education. And yeah. yeah. Hopefully next time I'm out in the Northwest. I don't know when that's going to be. But I'm planning on taking a couple days in Seattle because one of my best friends lives up there. I don't remember where, but I don't remember what neighborhood. But uh, I'll definitely let you know. We can get coffee or something. Yeah, or we can even get ramen if you're looking for some good ramen. Hey! Hey! Always down. Uh, uh, Where are you on social media in case people want to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am on Facebook as Rachel Batron, Batron spelled B-E-T-R-O-N. Um, so you can totally hit me up there. Also on Instagram and Twitter as at Novatron, N-O-V-A-T-R-0-N. There you go. There you go. If people want to follow up, hear all the cool work you're doing, or if they're in the Seattle area and want to connect with you, connect with Rachel. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Craig. That was it. That's it. We did it. We did the whole thing. We did the thing with Rachel Betron. We finished the conversation. We had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Cannot wait to bring you another episode in a couple of weeks. It was a pleasure getting to chat with Rachel and getting to learn about all the great work that they do in Seattle and in the entire DIY and anti-imperialist scene up there. Big fan. Cannot wait to meet them in human form someday. Uh, But until then this conversation will be our uh our ground level for our relationship building hooray i love that the podcast has allowed me to meet so many great people throughout the world uh digitally and bring some great conversations to your earbuds or ear pods or headphones or whatever how your car radio stereo your office wherever you're listening i hope you're just enjoying that's all i gotta ask for is just i hope you're enjoying it if you know of folks you'd like me to chat with send me a message Message, reach out, post on social media who you'd like me to listen to. I'll talk to, I'll, I'll try to reach out. 
We'll make it happen. Got a couple great uh, episodes lined up for you in the coming weeks uh, going into the holidays. I will be releasing episodes during the holidays just because I won't be doing too much. I'm not going to be doing any traveling. So just want to make sure you all know. In the meantime... Go get that new Max Seal record, Super Enthusiast. It's out on 6131 Records. You can get it uh, on all streaming services as well, Bandcamp and whatnot. Just follow the band. Keep up with what they're doing because you know they're going to be on the road again. They've been on the road a lot. They'll be back out there. you got to go see them. They have one of the best live shows that I've seen in a long time. And I got to be at one of the best gigs this year at uh, East Coast Customs. It's uh, now a... Uh, Already an instant classic gig that I was really thankful to get to be at. And I'm just really thankful that the band is doing such great work and have such great heads on their shoulders. So, hell yeah. As always, we are a part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about the great podcasts and educational content that you can get from our network of fantastic educators. Uh, And also go to artissurvival.com to learn more about our nonprofit, Art of Survival. And yeah, that's really all I got. I'm about to play you out with another Max Seal song or a little bit of a Max Seal song. And then that'll be it. I'm really excited to be doing this again. Back at it. Um, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, let's get to work. And you are